Welcome to this one-off podcast on soccer culture. When you are part of Liverpool Football Club, you'll never walk alone. That was the iconic You'll Never Walk Alone sung by over 95,000 Liverpool fans in Melbourne, Australia in 2013. Now, that song over the years, it was originally a show tune by Rodgers and Hammerstein and it was uh, redone in the 60s by the Liverpool beat group Jerry and the Pacemakers and Ever since then, it's been an iconic soccer anthem. And that, it in many ways has contributed to soccer culture in a wider way, and especially to uh, Liverpool FC, who have been my team ever since uh, 1971, when I was just five years old. But um, now... Why did I decide to do something on soccer culture, and in particular soccer culture here in the USA? Well, earlier this summer, I uh, attended a Liverpool versus Manchester United preseason game in uh, Michigan at the uh, the Michigan Big House, the uh, University of Michigan Stadium. And what struck me straight away was the the mixing of fans, the Liverpool and Manchester United fans, which frankly does not happen in England on any scale. And that kind of got me thinking again, what is the difference between soccer culture here in the USA and in England? And indeed is it you know is it similar what are the differences how has it developed over the over the years and 
where is it at and where is it going to go? Now, I, of course, even though I am a naturalized USA citizen, I come at this from my own perspective, which is obviously an English perspective. And as I said, you know, I've been a fan of Liverpool now for 47 years. And when I first came over to the States in 1999, soccer was really not very well developed yet. And what I saw was it was difficult to watch any any games at all. The major league soccer, the the USA Soccer League was it was very in its very early days. It had only been created in 1996, and the the main reason why it was created was because the USA held the uh, the FIFA World Cup in 1994. And I guess at that time I didn't really think where soccer was going in the USA and what really assisted soccer in growing in leaps and bounds in this country was the immense amount of money that was invested by and into particularly the English Premier League, which... It had a really good knock-on effect in that it accelerated the development of the the game here in the United States. And another thing that really helped push the game more to the front of people's minds was the uh, the World Cup in 2002 in Korea and Japan when the United States had the best performance they had in generations. They had a very, very good young team, and and the fan base around it was very good too. And it catapulted it more into the public's imagination, which has kind of been carried on in a large degree in the MLS, because you have, and we'll be talking later on to uh, Duffy Alverson, who is a Seattle Sounders fan, and actually he was a fan of the year. He also uh, writes for a website, Prost America, which is www.prostamerica, spelled A-M-E-R-I-K-A dot com. And he also contributes to a a podcast that I looked at when I was thinking about what I was going to do called the Yellow Card Podcast. And I talked to him about you know, how the the Seattle Sounds Club developed and where, you know, where they came from, where they're going. And I also talked with him about about the game in general, about the game particularly here in the United States, how the culture here has developed and is developing. And we'll, we, we talk, we basically talk soccer for about 38 minutes. And we'll go over a lot of things there and where... The game is now, as I said, and where it is going. The the as I say, the MLS has developed. It, it really has come on in leaps and bounds, particularly within the last ten years. I mean, some years ago, the attendances were down at around an average of thirteen thousand. They're now up in in the mid twenties, and they're as far as rankings go, they're ranked at about seventh in the world. In soccer leagues right now, they're even ranked ahead of the Dutch Eredivisie, which is the highest league in Holland. They're ranked even above the French first league, first division, the Ligue 1, and even above the Argentinian Syria. So that gives you some idea as to where the game is going, how it got here, and where are we going to be after that has happened. It's it's an exciting time for soccer. It's good to see the soccer culture over here developing. I personally believe that it's going to develop further and it's going to become, I believe, an alternative for a lot of people. I think soccer is unique within sport in the world in the passion 
the people feel towards it, the connection they feel to the clubs, which, as I discuss, you know, as we discuss later on with uh, Duffy Alverson, that you just don't have that connection in a lot of instances with sports club in clubs in general here in the USA. You, you know, because one thing you do not get particularly in Europe and particularly in England, is you do not get franchises that move around. Again, I mean, I go back again to my to my club, Liverpool. They have roots in their local community. The, the, the stadium is hemmed in by old housing. It, it's, it really is remarkable. I mean, they have actually played in the same area they have not moved their home has not moved since they were founded in 1892 which you just don't get in particularly football not so much in baseball but you do get it where teams will just up and move and you know we we're, we're seeing it where soccer in the USA they're not they won't take it anymore they will actually i mean like there's there was a movement to relocate the columbus crew club to austin texas and there has been a huge groundswell of opinion on that within the soccer community in the united states and say no you know don't save the crew don't move the columbus crew from their home and it's really quite remarkable to see that here because Honestly, I didn't think I would see it. I really didn't. And it's a refreshing thing to see. And, you know, again, we're going to be discussing this with Duffy later, is you have new clubs coming into the MLS. You had Atlanta United coming in, and they've been breaking all kinds of attendance records within the MLS. And they've been getting crowds of over 60,000 they're averaging over 40,000 which is way above and beyond pretty much any club in the MLS has ever done it is so good to see that and anyway he will we'll be going through this conversation here with Duffy in a moment so enjoy that I'm Okay, with us here on uh, my one-off is Duffy Alverson. How are you doing tonight, Duffy? I'm doing well, thank you. Good, good, good. Uh, now, um, I just want to ask you a few questions here when we start. Um, what can you tell me about the the Sounders particularly? I know they've been going as an MLS team now since kind of like the early 2000s. How can you tell me, what can you tell me how they've developed over the past sort of 15 years? Uh, well, they started in uh, the MLS era started in 2009. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember when they announced the, they announced the team technically like the towards the end of 2007 because you know 2008 was kind of are they are they going to play are they not going to play and they ended up building a USL team for that last year. You know they won the USL title in 2007 and yeah. in 2005. Yeah. Um, so yeah, uh, they've been in the this is their 
tenth year, I think. Well, mm-hmm. you know, I think officially next year is the tenth year celebration, twenty nineteen. But yeah, uh, ten years in, I've been a season ticket holder since day one of the MLS era. I went to most of the games back in the USL days, but my kid was playing hockey then too, so mm-hmm. I couldn't commit to season tickets. Yeah, I, but, I, you know, I'm actually Open Cups and later, uh-huh. uh, MLS Cup, Supporter Shield, yes. Uh, I think we've had a pretty good run. Good, good. And I, I'm actually old enough to remember when there was, even though even when I was in England at the time, that there was an old North American Soccer League Seattle Sound yeah. as well. Is, is there any relationship between that old club and this club? Uh, there's kind of, you know, they they kind of share the history. But um, right. I know Adrian, the, the owner, he was a fan of the, the old NASL team. And the coach, Brian Schmetzer, actually used to play. He mm-hmm. signed out of high school mm-hmm. with the NASL Sounders. Um, you know, we uh, when we had our 40th anniversary celebration, I mean, there was a little gap there because, mm-hmm. you know, the reboot came, uh, what was it, early, early 90s, mm-hmm. 95 maybe, when uh, Scott Oakey uh, and some other investors re, you know, rebooted the team in the old American Pacific or the American. American Professional Soccer League, which evolved into the A League, which evolved into USL, and, right. and, and they moved into the MLS. Yeah, now yeah. I moved here in '79. Mm-hmm. I remember the uh, the NASL teams, but I I had I mean I came from Nebraska. We didn't know what soccer was in Nebraska <laughs> yeah. back in the '70s. Uh, I mean, I'm, I think you and me are the same age, so it, it, that um, it seems to be. Yeah, we, we're about old enough to remember back then. Yeah. <laughs> now, um, one thing that I've certainly noticed, I've been over in the USA since 99, is soccer was pretty much nothing when I came over to now when it's just exploding all over the place. What do you put that down to for the, for the just, I guess you'd the burgeoning of soccer in the last 20 years? What would you personally put that down to? Uh, well, I th- uh, part of it, I think, you know, the kind, the demographics are changing, which mm-hmm. I think helps. I don't think that can be understated. Uh, I think having the World Cup in, in 94 was a big help. Um, yeah. Got it, got the ball rolling, but still, I mean, it took a couple of years for Major League Soccer to, to actually yeah. launch. Yeah. And then even more than a few years for them to, to stick around because, that crossed my mind a lot as well and a lot of it, it they had particularly I think they had a lot of trouble early on trying to get and, and this is kind of where I'm leading up to which is the subject I'm trying to talk about which is the fan culture they had uh-huh. a lot of trouble particularly in the early years trying trying to actually establish a, a fan culture and my own personal opinion is that what they try have tried to do was manufacture a fan culture, whereas a club like the the Sounders has actually allowed it to develop. What What are your thoughts on that? Oh, I agree. I think um, once they got out of their way and stopped trying to Americanize the sport, you know, like we have to change it for American audiences, you know, make it because there's not enough scoring. And once they stopped doing that, I think that helped to build it because, yeah, there's not as much scoring as uh, other sports, I suppose. Mm-hmm. But uh, as a you know, I'm a, you know, I'm a, I was born in the U.S., mm-hmm. raised in the U.S. You know, my mother's from England, incidentally, mm-hmm. but um, you know, she was never a football fan, but right. uh, not English, not soccer, football, just football, football. But <laughs> once they stopped doing that and stopped and just say, well, just you know, Toronto is actually, I think, the team in Major League Soccer that kind of got that ball rolling. They kind of allowed their yeah. supporters to. You know, they embrace that little rowdy side or whatever mm-hmm. you ever want to call it. They're not just uh, trying to get the families to come, which I think all teams want. Right. And, you, know, you want the families there too, but, you know, you also want that supporter section, you know. Right. If that's, I mean, I don't, I like to have in the supporter section. I don't particularly like to sit there because I don't like to have my view obstructed. Right. Unless I'm going on the road, then safety and numbers, I suppose, um, and and that with the with the manufactured culture that I've seen that and and unfortunately these are the stories that spread abroad. It's like when NYCFC were founded. I don't know if you if you ever saw their 
song sheet where they come up with this song that says, you might have some history, we don't give a crud, your team will always be a joke until they have a cup. And it also said songs not included on this list may still be including in the game. That, to me, was a rather unfortunate episode, and it portrayed across the world that all they were trying to do here again was trying to manufacture it, and that doesn't help it when you've got clubs like yours, clubs like Atlanta that are coming in and are actually creating an organic culture. Mm-hmm. I think some of it, at least for us and for Portland and Vancouver, you know, we're kind of off in the corner and we've always mm-hmm. kind of just done our own thing. I mean, right. the Pacific Northwest has always been kind of contrarian, I suppose. So we just kind of did our, <laughs> did our own thing because we had, you know, the, the Cascadia Cup predates uh-huh. uh in major major league soccer, and that that whole competition was started by the fans, you know, the Southsiders in right. Vancouver, the Tempers Army in Portland, and right. ECS or at least whatever uh, they were called back in the U.S. So I'm not sure if they were the ECS or not, but those three groups actually pooled their money mm-hmm. and bought that trophy, and then yeah. it just went back and forth. So and, and, that, and it was on hiatus for a few years when uh. Mm-hmm. When Seattle had left, I think it was in some guy in Vancouver's garage. But, right. you know, it's out and out. Right. And we just, you know, we just kind of do our thing and let that develop, you know. Which is the only way to do it. You can only, you know, you can't manufacture that. You that, can, but people aren't going to buy right. it. And, and, that kind and of, that's a bad look. You know, look yeah. at the A-League. If you ever watch Australian soccer, how much trouble they've had. Yeah. You know, it's with the federation battling the supporters that are trying to do their thing, and then they don't want to do it. I mean, you know, I, I know trouble. As, so. as far as that's concerned, with when you talk about the A League, I was actually I I actually did a an essay in my English class, and one re- bit of research that I picked up that it says that ninety five percent of Australian soccer fans identify with an English club. So that probably, that right there tells you the trouble that they've been having with fan culture. Uh, and we have that too, to mm-hmm. some extent. I think we still battle that. You have people, you know, that, like they're, you know, because I used to get that when I first, you know, well, who do you, who's your favorite team? I'd say, well, the Sounders are. I mean, who's your real favorite team? <laughs> uh, the Sounders are. I mean, yeah. The fact that they weren't at the highest level, that didn't matter to me. It doesn't matter to me now. You know, if it's the Sounders against San Jose, the game I'm going to tomorrow, but say it's on TV in the Champions League final, Real Madrid against Barcelona or whoever, I'm going to watch the Sounders game because that's a team and a league or any Major League Soccer game over the Champions League. I mean, granted, that's just me. I know I'm in a minority there, but that's the league and the teams I have an emotional attachment to. And that, the football and, might be better watching the Champions League final, but I don't have an emotional attachment to any of those teams. And, and that, Unless Celtic made it, because, you know, that's, that was yeah. my family's team mm-hmm. from back in uh, England, because my family is all Scottish, so their <laughs> team was Celtic. So. And, and that, that's the whole thing with me, is is football, as I obviously call it, is, is a very emotional game. I mean, I've been uh, I've been a Liverpool I always call myself a Liverpool supporter, uh-huh. not just a Liverpool fan. I mean, I've been connected with Liverpool since 1971, and I've seen them go through some incredible highs and some unbelievable lows. I mean, you know, I, I grew up actually going to watch the Liverpool teams of the of the 80s, and you know, I I was I was actually at the Heysel Stadium in 1985. Wow. And wow. I was offered a ticket for Hillsborough, but I actually turned it down because I'd been to Hillsborough before. Mm-hmm. So the, the the emotional connection, as far as the fan culture go, to me is a, is an exceptionally important thing, and that's oh, something yeah. that's something I think we've had trouble with in connecting with American sports fans, particularly because it, it's such a it's such a different thing. A soccer fan, soccer fandom to say football fandom, and and, right. and this is this is in some way relates to how I got interested in talking about football culture. Was I went to see the Liverpool Manchester United preseason game in Michigan, uh-huh. and I looked around and I saw Liverpool fans sitting with Manchester United fans, and I think to myself, that just doesn't happen in England. Yeah, 
And, yeah, and, no. And, that, and, and I again, that's, imagine. That, that's another uh, thing I, I'd like to touch upon is particularly over here, you've obviously, you don't have, you have the geographical limitations in, you know, if, if you're a Seattle fan, if you want to go watch Seattle play Orlando, you're looking at a very, very expensive trip. Yeah, I, I've only made a, I've made four road trips. You know, I went mm-hmm. to Portland. You know, I mean, granted, Portland, that's just down the street. But, uh, Relative. I did go to Atlanta this year. That was my prize, actually, mm-hmm. for win full disclosure. That was my prize for being the fan of the year uh, last mm-hmm. season. So my reign actually, excuse me, probably ends tomorrow. <laughs> it's been appreciation day tomorrow. That's good. And yeah. then I've been to the last two MLS Cups. So, uh-huh. yeah, but, you know, MLS Cup, I'm going to bite the bullet. And right. The and thing about the, you know, uh, obviously, when I was in England, when I'm traveling, it's still, I mean, it's still sometimes quite a distance because I, I live just outside London and I would, uh, and I would go to a home game. I'm having to travel 200 miles, but yeah. if, if, if they were playing Chelsea, I'd be looking at an hour and a half train ride to go to a game. Yeah. So, you, you, you know, you see more away fans in English football as opposed to MLS and you, you know what, what what's your take on away fans role in, 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 in uh, you know it's you can make a big difference uh, mm-hmm. I mean the Sounders travel well I know Portland travels pretty well um, LAFC actually when they came up here traveled pretty well um, mm-hmm. but those I mean I was never I mean Sitting in the supporter section on an away trip, every fan should do it. Right. But that is a young man's section because <laughs> I don't ever feel old. That day I did because after that game, I mean, uh, it yeah, was 2014. Yeah. It's that 4 4 tie uh-huh. game, if you remember that game. Uh-huh. It was crazy. Uh-huh. My head hurt. Uh-huh. I had a splitting headache. My Been voice there. was gone. And I had a great time. I loved it. And same with the MLS Cup, uh, especially when we won it. It was so right. cold. And you know we sang that, that uh-huh. whole game. You know, that's and the the team acknowledges it. They can mm-hmm. and I re, when I rewatched that Portland game, you actually could hear us on the TV, right? Which was you know it was cool. So. I mean, and that's uh, the thing. I I guess the only comparable experience I've got to that was it was actually in the Heisel year. I actually went to uh, Vienna to see uh-huh. Liverpool in a quarterfinal of what was the old European Cup, and I think there was maybe a hundred of us there in in a stadium with about 35,000 capacity but even when we listened to the to the summing up of the game afterwards we could hear ourselves singing it was just it's something i don't think you see in any other sport in america would you agree with that no you don't because i just don't think a i don't think uh, the other sports even cater they even try to do that right. for away fans. It's, right. you, know, you can buy a ticket. You just go to Ticketmaster and buy a ticket right. or whatever ticket out and then go. Right. But they don't uh, They don't really consider it. I think maybe mm-hmm. that's just the way the, friend, the model is set up in the U.S. You know, I think, right. that, I think owners like that because, you know, obviously they don't, you know, teams move a lot. You know, if you just watched how hard it was for Columbus, how how hard the, exactly. the fans pushed back against the league and the owner of the crew when he tried to move the crew. Yeah. And it just doesn't happen in football. I and mean, that, you look I mean, at I, Milton Keynes. How yeah. many people in England like <laughs> MK Milton Keynes? It's like, Unless oh, you're please. in Milton Keynes. Yeah. Uh, you know. Yeah. I think most fans in England look at them as an abomination. You know, they, yeah. you know, and when I was kind of researching things for this and looking at things... And I, this actually happened after I'd left England. They actually call MK Don's franchise FC, mm. and it's the only, actually one of the only instances of a professional soccer club moving to a different city. Right. It just doesn't happen. And I, and, I mean, and what I one thing. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Sorry, Duffy. Uh, what well, I no, love... for me, it's just it's one thing if, right. if the support's not there. Because, like, mm-hmm. Houston, or San Jose had moved to Houston in the early days of mm-hmm. MLS. Yeah, I remember that, yeah. But 
for them, I don't think anyone, because the way it worked out, the league says, you know, this, this owner is going to move this team, but, you know, we're, we're going to keep the history here. Mm-hmm. And you, as soon as there's that, we need to get your stadium situated, because they were playing at Spartan Stadium in San Jose, which is a horrible venue. Right. Uh, and then they, when they got the owner, owner came in and, you know, now, and, and they played a Buck Shaw for a few years, but they, they got their team back. And I think it was kind of promised when they moved the team mm-hmm. that they would get a team. So, and yeah. I think, and I think now if they tried to do that, it'd be a lot worse. But then I don't think there was a, you know, the hook hadn't set as much yeah. as it seemed to now. I mean, now I mean, it was a mess. I, I called <laughs> out, uh, I called out the, the Sounders owners, like on Twitter, mm-hmm. you know, Whatever. I mentioned it at a fan fest. Of course, they wouldn't comment, but you know, I did say I think mean, it's horrible because if that happens right. to them, it could happen to anybody. Right. Especially if your owner's from out of town. If you have a local owner, a little harder because they have. Yeah. I mean, the roots are here. Right. Uh, but if your owner's from somewhere else and he just is there to, you know, I mean, make that, money and that everybody is... wants to make money, but nobody gets into professional no. sports <laughs> to make money. No. Uh, and, and I don't even want to know how much money I've spent just uh, <laughs> supporting my team. I yeah. mean, I, it's a, it's a, it, and it's all money well spent. Absolutely, you know, I I'd do it again. Yeah, and, and and that was it. Was just, I mean, it was that when I went to the Liverpool United game in July, it was just, it was the fir- it was the first game I'd actually been to. The first Liverpool game I'd been to since Liverpool played Nottingham Forest in 1988 and won 5-0. And wow. it, it was like I'd never been away. I mean, uh-huh. you know, and it was the first live Liverpool game I'd seen since Hillsborough. And then, you know, when when we started singing You'll Never Walk Alone, it just, it choked me up. It was just, it was just something, you get a rush and you just feel uh-huh. part of it again. It was incredible. And, and that's one thing I... I from what I've researched about the Sounders culture, I actually watched um, a YouTube video by uh, Copa 90, which I thought was just incredible. Just the, It was. I've the, seen that video. The, the way the fan culture in, in Seattle has developed and the way people have embraced soccer is just wonderful. And some of it was a perfect storm. You know, the mm-hmm. Sonics had left, I think, the year, that year. So there was, a, there was kind of a gap. Mm-hmm. In the, there was a hole in the schedule, I suppose you'd say, or at least uh, an opportunity for uh, uh, Sounders to get some crossover or some converts. And my thing is, when people say, uh, oh, I don't like soccer, it's it's boring, there's not enough action. Have so you ever been to a game? Uh, well, no. You go, go to uh-huh. a game. You go to a game. Because if you just watch it on TV, you miss so much. Right. You miss so much of the game just yeah. on TV. I mean, you have to go to see the whole thing. And it's not just what's on the field, just the whole thing about it. The whole experience. For me, the first yeah. soccer game I ever went to, what really stuck out was how physical it was. Because mm-hmm. I, I, I did not realize how, how intensely physical the game right. was. And, and uh, you know, that, that, that stuck with me from like, wow, right. these guys just go after it. And they do. And another thing I've noticed is that, um, again, when I was doing my research, is how much the attendances have shot up in the MLS. From, yeah, no, that's been nice. It's been incredible. I mean, nice obviously, see, so. you know, <laughs> Seattle Sounders have helped that a heck of a lot by getting attendances in the 50,000s and plus, and mm-hmm. Atlanta this year has broken all kinds of records. No, yeah, they've been it's they been put on amazing. a good show. I'll give full mm-hmm. credit to Atlanta United. They 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 put on a good show, and that stadium was nice. I mean, we watched we went there, we watched the World Cup final. You know, just walking around what we do, mm-hmm. we walking around the stadium, checking it out, and then you know, it's a good game. Yeah, uh, but yeah, and they do it well. Again, but I for mean, me, I, I remember in '09 we were going to that first game, and you know, the build up had a year's build up, and I'm thinking to myself. I was talking to my, my son. I go, I just want it to live up to the hype because you think there's no way it's going right. to live up to the hype because it's been it's been built up for too long. You know, they had such they had such a small uh, expectation going in. Let's just try to get the lower bowl filled. That's like twenty four thousand, right. and then it just kept growing and growing. 
and and, and I just go to him. I hope it lives up to the hype. And then we're in the stadium. It's like, wow, this is even better than we ever we ever could have imagined. And, and it just carried on. Right. You know? and, and looking at that, I mean, I, I think, again, I think the fan culture has had a, a great part to play on that because mm-hmm. now, I mean, we have with the MLS, uh, I was looking at it today, it has the seventh highest average world, world attendance in world soccer. It is higher than league earned in France. It is higher mm-hmm. than Argentina and higher than the Dutch, Dutch Eredivisie, which is, I mean, that, that I think is incredible. And I think that's going to continue. What do you think? I think so. I think, uh, you know, there's too much, too many teams clamoring to get into the league. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, then you, you always have those teams that want to outdo, you know, well, we want to be better than them. We, so, you know, I mean, I thought we raised a pretty good bar, but Atlanta yeah. has definitely raised the bar. You know, they have owners with money now. I think that was the one thing. I mean, remember, at one point in the league, the league was owned by basically three you know, Kraft owned the Revolution. Mm-hmm. The Hunts owned a couple of teams, and Philip Enchance owned the whole rest of the league. So, right. you know, now you have deep-pocketed owners. Yeah. Uh, and, and so this, they're they're happy to spend money. I mean, this uh, there's no more thirteen thousand dollar a year right. uh, developmental players. And granted, do they still need to pay more money? Probably, mm-hmm. but uh, you know, uh, and that, this kind of leads me nicely into my next little little piece here is um, when I became a U.S. citizen, I've said to a lot of people, it gave me a whole new way to be disappointed in, in a, international soccer. <laughs> how, how do you look at the U.S. men's national team failure to qualify? It doesn't seem to me like it's really affected the game a whole lot, but how do you see it? Uh, you know, that whole, I remember, I thought hiring Klinsman was a mistake personally, but I'm not going to put that on him. Not, not the failure to qualify. Maybe it started that way because I, my biggest beef with the U.S. federations, we hadn't learned. You don't even have to learn from your own mistakes. Just watch how football teams, how countries around the world do it. You know, never give that. You know, especially national team coaches, one cycle. One qualification, one World Cup, and then you need to go in another direction. Uh, with the exception of maybe Germany, and I think maybe that that direction needs to change too. But you look at, you know, they we have our best World Cup ever in 2002, so we're all excited. We hire Bruce Arena for that second uh, right. second cycle, and we do horribly in Germany. So Bob Bradley comes in, mm-hmm. you know, we, we do really well in South Africa, and then, you know, bam. He doesn't. So we bring in Klinsman, and then we make the Brazil, and then they right before the tournament even starts, they sign him to a huge extension, and uh, just think, guys, that just doesn't work. Not in, not internationally. And you know, I remember the pundits at the beginning of that cycle. You know, we started zero and two, and I was already in panic, going, "Oh, they're not there." <laughs> you know, and then you hear all Alexi Lawless, "Oh, they're going to make it because Concacaf's too forgiving." And that might be true, but if one thing Major League Soccer has done uh, is brought the level of all the other national teams in CONCACAF, Honduras is better than mm-hmm. it was three you know, from 96, just because there's more places for their players to play. And I knew we were, we never seemed to get it right, that whole qualification. Even mm-hmm. when we were, we were doing well, you know, and I thought Bruce went all in on winning the Gold Cup, which is cool. I love winning the Gold Cup, but, mm-hmm. you know, that tournament, that's the tournament I want to see the experimenting. Not qualifying for the World Cup, because the right. World Cup is the, the one stage where, and that one window where the U.S. national team could be the number one sports team in the country. And it's mm-hmm. only that small window when that happens. I thought they missed out. And I think they've missed out on, on they're taking way too long to hire a coach. I mean, mm-hmm. I don't get this long wait uh, <laughs> My point is getting to the point, either give give Dave Sarrigan the job full-time or just get somebody. It's been too mm-hmm. long, you know, and talk to Martino. He doesn't speak English, and you're going to disqualify him for that? And and, and also, what I, I, another, another thing I, I love about the U.S. men's national team game, again, going back to my fan culture, I think the fan culture surrounding the U.S. men's national team is, is 
is very, very good, and it's very alive and very vibrant. Yeah. That is the only supporters group I actually belong to, is the American Outlaws. Mm-hmm. And I had one beef back about the Nash team. I think we lost our way a little bit, you know, because the U.S., if you ever remember, the U.S. team was always a team that battled for each other and was always greater than the sum of right. sports. We never had those superstars, but we had a bunch of guys that would always play really hard and play really well for each other. Right. And I think we lost that. And, you know, you we don't have the superstar, you know, the messy or that kind of guy. We just don't have them. Maybe yeah. down the road, but we don't have them yet. So, you know, but yeah, they, we just they, have to try to gut them out. You know, well, we've, we were always capable of those big wins. You know, we beat Spain when Spain had that, mm-hmm. hadn't lost in how many games? 50 games, and we beat them in the Confederations Cup. We just made our shots count. We took two shots and scored them both. And but then, the American Outlaws and that whole yeah. uh, part of uh, fan culture and, and following the national, that is fun. I mean, I love go, when the I love the pre-match parties with American Outlaws. You get to hang out with, you know, uh, guys from all over the country, and it's just it's just a fun time. And then you know the support at those games, that was fun. The I went to the Panama USA qualifier, mm-hmm. and that was a lot of fun. You know, it was another one I was worn out by the end of the day, but <laughs> you know, you yeah. don't you don't get to have those opportunities very often, especially when the national team comes to town. They don't right. come to town very often, so you got to take advantage. Absolutely, and I, you know, I I know kind of how that is. I used to go to the occasional England game back in, you know, obviously back in. Mm-hmm. I think the last time, actually, the last time I went to an England game was '86, something like that. But it it gives it, when you go to a national game, it's a whole different thing to the club game. Yeah. Because you, you know you're you're joining with people who obviously back in the eighties when I was going to a lot of football who would be throwing stuff at you the following week. I mean, not not figuatively, literally. No, I know. And then no, I've, <laughs> you're all, I've you're all of a sudden you're all together that, so. for the same cause, and I think that's what that's what's good about the national games. And obviously, you know, you've got the big rivalry here between the USA and Mexico. Mm-hmm. That oh, yeah. That's so my one bucket list thing is yeah. to go to a USA-Mexico I game. Lo- I would love to go to Azteca, so yeah. That's definitely something I want to do. I mean, that, that would be, that's, you know, you could put a dozen cliches there. Mm-hmm. Going into a cauldron and, <laughs> you know, put your foot in the fire and... Yeah, no, it would be fun. I definitely would go with the group, though. I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to just show up and buy a ticket at the uh, at the counter and head inside. Because I guess I was reading that somebody had done that, and he's in the, he's walking around the stadium in his USA jersey. He's not with the rest of the the American yeah. Outlaws. He's just in Azteca, and finally, I think security. Or the federales had grabbed him and just took him over. Said, "Yeah, you're gonna get killed." And yeah, took him over. His shirt um, was all shredded. I'm like, "Dude, what were you thinking?" Yeah, and, you know? and and again, that's what a lot of sports fans over here they they just unless of course it's college, which has a has a bit more of a reputation for being, shall we say, slightly unruly. Um, the, a lot of people over here just don't. They don't get it because uh-uh. you don't have, you know, it, it's most sports that we go for here in America, we're better at than everybody else. Yeah, that's true. And it's not, you just don't see a whole lot of international competition. So it's difficult for people to quite understand how that all works. Do you see what I mean? Yeah, I do. Some ways, I think a lot of times when you have the national games, you have, uh, especially if it's a country that, uh, you know, kind of might be like the little brother or whatever, however you want to call it, you know, this is their one chance where they can kind of uh, get even with uh, like whatever political things are going on. Well, we don't like what you're doing, so, but we can't really say anything or do anything mm-hmm. about it. But on the field, here we can, because this is where we bring the premium. And this, uh, actually, you, you making that point leads me nicely in, 
into one of my final little things here is um, for years a lot of people thought that soccer support and soccer culture in this country was mainly from expatriates like obviously Latinos mm-hmm. people like myself Germans Dutch and and I remember Ann Coulter said once I promise you no American whose great grandfather was born here is watching soccer it, it, it's just and today it is nothing even close to like that yeah that's funny because my mother was born in England <laughs> and I would have had to I would have had to twist her arm to get her to go to the soccer match she, she wasn't into it you know and me you know send me to the Super Bowl or send me to just a regular soccer match I'm going to soccer because that guy game was my favorite you know and I like you know I suppose if you gave me a Super Bowl ticket I would take it just so I could sell it because they sell for so much back would be, it'd be foolish not to but yeah. yeah, I've been to two MLS Cups, and there's not a chance I would sell one of those tickets. Yeah, and, and it, uh, it, it's the same with uh, me. I mean, I, I've been to, I've been to the old Wembley several times, and you know, I, I've been to uh-huh. European games. I've been to huge domestic games in England, and yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't exchange those tickets for anything. No, the memories, man. I still, you know. I remember the the Toronto uh, 2016 when we won. How cold it was! It was mm-hmm. so cold in the stadium. That lake effect. Have you ever experienced lake effect? Oh, that yes. is a real thing. Because <laughs> uh, we're walking around the city in Toronto that yeah. that day and go, you know, this isn't too bad. This should be all right. And we get off the train at at that, you know, where BMO Field is like, whoa, this is cold. But after we'd won, we weren't cold anymore. <laughs> it's not like yeah. we uh, let's just get out of here. It's so cold. We need to get warmed up. They had to kick us out of the stadium. Excellent. So much that we missed the last train. We had to take an Uber back to the uh, little pre-funk bar that we uh, we basically had all had met before the game. Yeah. I mean, me and my uh, my kid ended up just walking back to the hotel. He's like, I'm tired now. Let's just go. Because <laughs> I remember the Toronto <laughs> fans that we were talking to after the game, and they were actually really cool. I mean, mm-hmm. they, you know, they said, hey, congratulations. And one, you guys might want to keep a low profile going back to wherever you're going just because there might be some mad people out there and I'm thinking I'm wearing nothing but green and like, yeah that's not gonna happen and 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 that's that's kind of like again you know with the I think with the big difference with the soccer culture here to back in England is if I was in Manchester to uh and I'm not over exaggerating if I wore mm-hmm. my Liverpool colors walking in the city center of Manchester I would be scared for my life and, and well, I, and, and, and Toronto's such a massive city, too. Yeah. I think that had something to do with it because, you know, it's like going to New York, the Canadian equivalent of New York. I yeah. mean, it, it is a massive city. So mm-hmm. I think there's people there that are really passionate about the Toronto FC and other people. It's like, oh, yeah, we have a team over there. It's not yeah. like Liverpool or Manchester yeah. where every citizen is either blue or red, you know. Right. Or same with Liverpool. Every citizen is either blue or red. There's, yeah. uh, you know. It's, you know, pretty much right down the, you know, there's not many disinterested Mancunians or liver, you know, people from Liverpool. I don't know what the... Liverpudlian. Liverpudlian? Okay, I wasn't sure if that was correct. So, um, that don't have some kind of interest Mm -hmm. in in one of their teams. Yeah. Right. And, 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 you know, again, that's the thing. That's what really has impressed me about the Sounders is... The way the way the culture there just has been has developed organically, mm-hmm. and it's been allowed. You know, you've had owners, you've had people like Drew Carey involved since the yeah. start of it. You know, and and that's that's what I love about it. Well, and I and the, I think we've been really spoiled as a fan base. I mean, the uh, the owners definitely seek. Uh, you know, they encourage feedback, whether it's positive or negative. I mean, the business meeting that. Uh, it's harder to get into now, but you can still watch it online uh, that they have every year. I've been to every one, so hopefully I'll get an invite now because they have a little meeting space. It's called the 90 where all the trophies are, but it's, it's a really small space for, you know, you can't get 30,000 people in there, but you can get a few, you, know, you can get some people in there. 
And then they talk about the how you know how the team's done, you know what the business is like, what their plans for the future are. You know they talk mm-hmm. about the academy. You know they'll have the owners will give a little give a little talk, um, coach, general manager, that kind of thing. You know the GM vote uh, whether to give uh, Garth a yay or no confidence was this year. So mm-hmm. that was one of Drew Carey's things. So as a fan base, I think we're really spoiled. So, you know, I think that helps with the supporter culture. And then it's not like it's all been smooth sailing. There's been a couple of rough patches that they've navigated, you know, right. together. You know, you know, and then you have the Alliance Council, which people can, you know, any fan can be on. You just have to, right. nom- you know, apply and get nominated. You have to go and get like 20 people, at, or, you know, to to back your nomination, and then it's just like any other election. You just they put your name in the hat, and you vote, and then you can go, you know, then you meet with the ownership, talk about whatever, you know, like the uh, prime example is when we won the MLS Cup, mm-hmm. you know, the little stars on the shirt, um, they were only, the MLS only wanted to put them on the authentic jerseys, but the, the Alliance Council said, well, that's not fair because, you know, you got to put them on them all because not everybody uh, – wants to spend or has the wherewithal to spend $150 on a jersey. You know? Yeah, that's that's crazy. No. But uh, yeah, anyway, so um yeah, it's been it's been it's been great. I've really enjoyed yeah. this conversation and Yeah, me too. Thank you so much. Oh, my pleasure. Anytime. All right, thanks Duffy. All right, thank you. Bye-bye. Okay, bye-bye. Well, I sure hope you enjoyed that uh, conversation we had uh, with Duffy Alverson. It was, uh, I really enjoyed that. He has a lot to say about the state of the game here in the USA, how the culture has developed over the years, and really where it's going to go from here. I think things look good for, for the soccer culture here in the USA and the game in general. I'm very positive about where it's going, about how it's developing, despite some little hiccups here and there. The national team looks good. And, you know, as as I was talking with Duffy, I, I feel it's really very important for the development of the game here in the USA that the men's national team do well, especially with the, the World Cup in 2026, which is coming here in order to make, you know, to be able to get the game to develop to a point where it is thought of as an, almost as an American game, where the culture fits in, you know, just great with with the general culture in the, here in the USA without pulling that connection away that the fans have with their clubs as they become more rooted in their communities, as we saw with Duffy's Seattle Sounders. Soccer is just such a unique game in the way that it connects with the community that it's in, with the community that it works with, that the passion that soccer fans have for their clubs for their country where when they get in and they support their country and they follow their country it gives a chance for everybody to forget about those little rivalries between clubs like the Seattle Sounders the Portland Timbers the LAFC LA Galaxy on the east coast on the I'm sorry on the west coast and the east coast teams which as we saw, they they yet they don't quite have those connections with the community. As we saw in our conversation with Duffy, the teams like NYFC, NYCFC, New York City FC, they've tried to kind of manufacture an, an atmosphere, and that's something you really can't do with soccer because it is just so organic. Passion is something you just cannot manufacture within soccer. It it just you've got to allow it to grow on its own. Uh, 
Occasionally you can give it a little prod, but you've got to let soccer culture grow on its own. It It's not the same as, I hope people don't think poorly of me when I say this, it, it's not the same as American football. Football. It's not the same as baseball. It's not the same as basketball. It is a unique thing in of itself. It is a game that can just connects with people's passions. I have followed Liverpool, my team, through thick and thin. You know, as we found out at the start of this podcast, the song, You'll Never Walk Alone. And I have been through that club through some incredible highs and some unbelievable tragic lows. And the game just connects with people in a way that is just incredible. And if we continue on the road that we're on here in the USA, the game is just going to grow and grow and grow. Well, I hope that that I've managed to get across to you how the soccer culture is here in this country and how it connects to people and why it connects to people and how it develops and how it has developed and how it's going to develop further. I hope you enjoy it. And we leave you here with another piece of music which, again, has soccer connections. It's... um, Nessun Dorma, which was the hymn, if you like, of the 1990 World Cup in Italy, which again, that World Cup resonates with the USA because that was the first World Cup that the USA had qualified for in many, many years. And it was the one before the 94 World Cup. And it just, it it was just another song that connects beautifully with soccer. So, enjoy. Yeah. <laughs>